pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Imagine yourself gliding down an icy canyon while it's slightly snowing, feeling a wet, cold snowball in your hand as you throw it at a snowman, penguin, or igloo. Seeing the sky above you, a canyon on either side, and hearing the trickle of a river nearby, and snowballs splashing in it. This isn't a game, exactly. It's the feeling of being completely immersed in another world. The world of virtual reality. Now imagine hearing your nurse in the hospital saying, Claire, we've finished scrubbing and cleansing the burn on your arm. It's all over for the day. To your surprise, what had been searing and sometimes excruciating pain was now 40 to 50% less intense. Wow, I mean, that's the power of virtual reality. It distracts our attention away from the real world and places us in a computer-simulated, three-dimensional environment. In fact, studies have shown that immersive virtual reality distraction can increase pain tolerance, reduce pain intensity, and lessen the time we spend thinking about pain. On today's show, we'll hear from Luke Moore, a 26-year-old man who sustained a deep burn that involved 80% of his leg below the knee. He'll share firsthand what it's like to use virtual reality distraction to get through the pain of not only washing his open wounds, but then stretching the joints and tissue of his leg in physical therapy. Dr. Sam Shar, an expert in the use of immersive virtual reality distraction, then joins us. He'll talk about which conditions this therapy best treats, the technology behind it, and the exciting future that lies ahead. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, My Life Patient Program, and DC2 Healthcare, The Pain Community, and DepoMed Incorporated. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Luke Moore was camping in the forest of Washington State. While asleep, he rolled into a campfire that produced second and third degree burns below his knee. Last time, he talked about using opioids like oxycodone, methadone, and morphine for pain control. And he was just introduced to a new way of easing the pain of wound care that's called immersive virtual reality. He talks to us from his hospital bed at Harborview Medical Center, University of Washington. Luke, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. The burn itself causes intense pain, but so can the wound care following the burn. Like, you know, things like wound debridements, dressing changes, skin grafting, and skin stretching. What kind of wound care have you had? Like I said, I've only uh, had three wound cleanings. So, yeah, the first one was more painful. Mm-hmm. But since I've been doing the virtual reality, it has not been uh, painful at all. It's been tolerable. It's been 
it hurts, mm-hmm. but it's not the worst pain I've ever had, which during the day it's pretty dang close to the worst pain I've ever had. Yeah, I can imagine. So the nurse washes your wound for about five to ten minutes uh, once a day. And, and um, what is the difference between the wound care with virtual reality compared to without virtual reality? That's a good question. The um, distraction of the brain going somewhere else while someone else is doing the work down with my leg, I'm just somewhere else in my head in the virtual reality. And uh, it definitely uh, makes me forget even a little bit. And of course, there'll be a sharp sting, but sometimes I, I forget completely and I'm having fun. And I'm saying, dang, when I miss a, a snowball throw right. and they think they hurt me, but no, I'm just getting emotional over the game. Right. It sounds like fun. Luke, how much less intense is the pain of your wound care by using virtual reality? I found it to be great and definitely at least a 60% improvement of uh, the pain. That's terrific. Tell us now about physical therapy and how you use virtual reality during those sessions. Oh, um, it was in my bed. They pulled the machine up to my eyes and the lady was pulling my foot to the right, to the left, pushing it back to where it hurt, but the virtual reality definitely distracted. So I did that in the bed one time. Mm-hmm. The rest has been in the, the tub, two times in the tub. Okay. During the virtual reality, while I am distracted, the, I don't feel exactly what they're doing the majority of the time. Luke, how do you think virtual reality actually works? That is a good question, because uh, I'm an idiot savant by trade. Let me try to figure this one out. How does virtual reality work? <laughs> I might flip that one on you, brother. Uh, taking your brain somewhere else, mind over matter, and it's a wonderful thing because it's magical. It really is magical because the theory actually is that humans have finite attentional resources. So distraction consumes some portion of those resources, which then leaves less cognitive capacity available for processing pain. Let me ask you, how do you feel that it affects you psychologically? I mean, that is, are you less afraid of doing physical therapy, for example, and having the burns washed because you can use virtual reality distraction? Yes. Yes, you really hit it on the button there. That's, I mean, I am less afraid. That's fantastic. It sounds like you're going to need skin grafting in the near future. Will you use virtual reality to help control your pain from that procedure? Most definitely. I have thought about that. I'm not sure what really goes on in that procedure. I don't know if they knock you out or not, but I'd like to do it if they don't. Okay. And would you recommend virtual reality distraction to others? I would. Yes, sir. I recommend it to everyone who needs a distraction while they're in pain, especially burns. Absolutely. And finally, what should we remember about this innovative method of reducing pain? Soothe your mind and your and your soul because you're distracted in a pleasant environment as opposed to a real world of pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad it works so well for you. Do you feel like the effect is real or, or could it be placebo? Yeah, it's definitely a real thing. I've been turned on to it. I've been blessed. Yes, you have. And Luke, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Up next is Dr. Sam Shar, expert in immersive virtual reality for pain control. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. 
Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Laboratories, a leader in the science of toxicology and pharmacogenetics, is transforming the way healthcare professionals monitor and manage their patients' medication therapy. Through the use of advanced technology supported by research and education, Millennium helps practitioners personalize care for patients. For more information, please visit www.millenniumlabs.com. My Life Patient Program and DC2 Healthcare. Connecting patients to top physicians in the United States, reaching the highest standard of patient care through research patient programs and gains in overall health. For more information, please visit mylifepatientproject.com and dc2healthcare.com. Dr. Sam Shar is a professor in the Department of Anesthesiology, Harborview Medical Center, University of Washington. He's published extensively in the area of immersive virtual reality for pain control. Dr. Shar, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Hey, thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate talking to you. Last time, we talked about the concept behind virtual reality, how it's used in combination with traditional medicines like opioids, and the high-tech equipment like uh, headgear, a mouse, and headphones that enable patients to feel completely immersed in a simulated three-dimensional environment. Sam, is there a tactile component to virtual reality? In our system, the answer is no. Uh, our our uh, system is one uh, where it's very much like a video game. It's what we call a rail game, mm-hmm. uh, where the user is proceeding through the Arctic Canyon as if they are riding on a rail. Okay. So they're going through it at a single speed. That said, there are a lot of other applications of virtual reality where tactile devices are, are very important uh, and are used pretty frequently. There's a uh, application of virtual reality for the treatment of spider phobia or arachnophobia. And that particular world uh, includes the uh, user touching a... Um, simulated spider. (laughs) So you can have tactile feedback included in a number of these different virtual worlds. Mm -hmm. And and Sam, do you think there'll be a tactile feedback uh, availability for the world of pain? For example, in patients who have complex regional pain syndrome who have, in effect, a horrible, horrible sunburn that sheets can barely touch? That's a great question, and uh, I think that there are probably some aspects of it where the answer is yes, particularly if you have chronic pain patients for whom, uh, let's say, touching their own skin can create a an exaggerated sense of pain. Mm-hmm. You know, what to you or, or to me would be a normal light touch on our, on our skin might be perceived very differently in some patients who have chronic pain or what we call allodynia. Right. Uh, and so for, for those kinds of patients, uh, definitely uh, you could see where a tactile component of virtual reality could be uh, potentially very valuable. Mm-hmm. And how about aromas? For example, we did a show on aromatherapy and the benefits of certain aromas for pain control. Well, that's, in our system, there isn't, but uh, there is some really amazing research that's been done primarily out of Montreal at McGill, where uh, researchers who used uh, a virtual reality included smells as one of the components or one of the sensory experiences that volunteers were experiencing mm-hmm. while they were having a painful stimulation done. And it turns out that the, the smell that someone smells or the aroma that someone smells while they're having a painful sense 
compensation actually has a tremendous effect or can have a tremendous effect on their pain experience. Yeah. Certain uh, aromas will make the pain experience be, be much worse, and certain aromas will make the pain experience much better. So you could see that being incorporated down the line at some point. Absolutely. Uh, aromatherapy can be quite helpful in the form of aromas that are inhaled as well as essential oils that are absorbed through the skin. Take us through your virtual environment. What is it called? Snow World, which is uh, basically an animated Arctic canyon uh, that when the user is inside of this virtual world, if uh, she looks up, she sees a, a dark starry sky. If she looks down, she sees a slow moving river with some little icebergs floating in it. Uh -huh. When she looks to the side as she's flying through this canyon, she sees uh, Arctic Canyon walls and there are little ledges on the, the Arctic Canyon walls that have... Uh, uh, avatars on them, uh, little uh, images of uh, penguins, for example, or polar bears or things. And so if, when the user sees something to the side of the uh, virtual world, she can look over there to her left uh, by just turning her head or by tracking the mouse to the left, and uh, her view of that part of the virtual world will immediately um, update. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see how that would take you out of the world of pain into a, an entirely different world. What do patients say when you introduce the idea of virtual reality to them? Uh, it's it's surprising. Most most of them are, are a little bit, um, I wouldn't say incredulous, but they, they, they would say, are you sure this is going to work? <laughs> yeah. And we say... You know, it's it's certainly not going to make things any worse, and it's kind of fun to play a game. Why don't you give it a try? Mm -hmm. And you'd be we're continuously surprised how uh, patients will don the VR helmet, will go ahead and put them through whatever medical procedure that they're going to have. Usually, it's a procedure they've had in the past and have found to be quite painful, and. As soon as the procedure is done in the virtual environment and you take them out of their virtual world by taking the helmet off, they say, wow, uh, is it done already? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's remarkable. Uh, Sam, what are the limitations of immersive virtual reality for pain control? We've been pr using it primarily for burn wound care. Typically, distraction like this is probably best applied to procedures that are relatively short. Mm -hmm. We're talking 10, 15, 20 minutes in duration. Okay. And those that are associated with you know, sort of moderate pain. But if you're looking at painful procedures that last much longer than 20 or 30 minutes, procedures that are associated with pretty severe pain, then those are some of the limitations that you have with, with virtual reality and being, not being as effective. And the reason for that, based on our previous discussion, is that the headgear can get heavy and tiring to wear, and that the game repeats over time and therefore loses its novelty. Sam, is virtual reality effective for everybody? There are certain patients for whom uh, it doesn't work. We find that we get positive effects in about 80% of patients, but that still leaves about one in five for whom the, um, the technique doesn't have any significant benefit. Well, but 80% is really, really high, which is encouraging. Let's now talk about the theory behind virtual reality. I mean, the mechanism. My understanding is that we have a limited amount of conscious attention available, and pain requires conscious attention. Virtual reality produces this interactive, computer-generated environment with sights, with sounds, that make us feel like we're in another world. It's hard for the brain to ignore that world, and the more convincing the virtual environment, the more attention is drawn into that world and away from the pain. 
Well, I think you've described our best understanding of how distraction works to, to treat pain. What we found, for example, is that the use of the technique does not cause a release of endogenous opiates within the body. Mm-hmm. That's one way we thought it might work. Mm-hmm. Turns out it doesn't. This whole idea of having a fixed amount of attention that you can apply to either one task or potentially more than one task seems to be our best explanation of how distraction works to reduce pain at this point. Right. Have you wondered whether virtual reality can tap into our emotions? We'll find out after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. DepoMed Incorporated, a specialty pharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing products to treat pain and other central nervous system conditions. Purdue Pharma making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. Dr. Shar. can virtual reality modulate our pain by tapping into our emotions? And what I mean by that is, for example, fear, anxiety, cravings can all be triggered or suppressed by certain virtual reality environments. Anxiety, depression can activate a certain part of the brain called the amygdala that facilitates pain, whereas positive emotions can inhibit that same area to better control it. I think we maybe need to sit down with you and figure out what uh, some virtual environments are that would uh, that would create those kinds of uh, positive emotional experiences. You know, and it, might, it may vary from from patient to patient. It may vary uh, as a function of age. Yeah, uh, certainly will vary as a function of, of sex or gender. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and Sam. How do patients feel psychologically from using virtual reality? Uh, For example, I mean, I would think that they're less afraid of having their wounds cleaned and having those burned arms and legs stretched in physical therapy because they know they can use virtual reality. Current modern-day burn care, so many of these painful procedures have to be repeated on a daily basis or an every-other-day basis. Physical therapy, for example, following a burn may have to be repeated for weeks or maybe even months after mm-hmm. the original injury. Right. Anything that can make them more interested in doing it and more likely to do it is going to improve their long-term outcome, whether it's a functional outcome or it's an aesthetic outcome uh, related to the burn. So we're really happy with the fact that these patients say, hey, I have a lot more fun doing this because when we say, does that mean you're going to be more likely to do this again day after tomorrow or tomorrow? They say, absolutely. <laughs> That's right, because it's fun. Now, how about the chronic pain population? I mean, that, the need there is massive. We have some collaborative studies going on now with some physicians in uh, Seattle who are looking at chronic pain patients just to see just how uh, applicable it might be in that setting. These are the patients with chronic neuropathic pain, could be from chronic low back pain, neuropathic pain related to a previous spinal cord injury, phantom pain related to previous limb amputation, multiple sclerosis. So there are a number of different uh, chronic pain conditions like this, and, and so we'd love to figure out whether this is useful or not. Me too. I think that's really exciting research, and I hope that it shows some very positive results. Now, Sam, talk about equipment for use in chronic pain conditions. 
patients would have to be in the hospital where computer was available and the expensive head-mounted display was available. Mm -hmm. But uh, the number of low-cost but still very high-quality, high-resolution head-mounted displays that are coming on to the market right now. And so having that kind of a device is something that would absolutely be necessary for most chronic pain uses. Because if you're thinking about patients with chronic pain, I'm not sure that you could have a patient living with a virtual reality helmet on 24 hours a day. Right. One of the major problems that chronic pain patients have is they have what are called pain flares, where they, they have chronic pain that is acceptable and they can do their job, except for certain times when that pain tends to spike. Mm -hmm. And so if a patient with that type of a condition had this device available to them at home and they could don the equipment and basically self-medicate with virtual reality to bring their pain flare back down to their baseline state, mm -hmm. then that's something that would potentially be valuable. Very valuable. And I can see it being used then to effectively reduce breakthrough pain episodes in patients who have chronic pain. And it may even be useful later on to help treat their continuous pain that lasts throughout the day. And I can envision the platform for this would be mobile devices. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's a whole new world. We don't have that kind of a system, you know, available at this point, mm -hmm. but that's what we're envisioning is that uh, by mentioning earlier that you could have a system that resides not on a laptop computer or a desktop computer, but something that resides on a, on a personal device, yeah. uh, like an iPad or uh, some other kind of tablet or on some sort of smartphone, so that you could use what's basically a fairly uh, low-level technology device that's widely available and could easily be carried with uh, a patient so that if they have a pain flare at home, they could treat themselves. But if they have a pain flare while they're at the office, yeah, they could uh, they could treat themselves there as well. That would be amazing and extremely convenient. I like also the potential that we can tailor the virtual reality environment to match uh, age, gender, and ethnicity, for example, of the patient. Or even use a winter environment with snow and ice for burn patients and a beach environment for patients with frostbite. No, it's a very good thought. It's a, it's a very good thought. I mean, theoretically, that would make a lot of sense, and uh, we'd love to study that and love to figure out if that's true because that would be a, a real plus. And how about completely immersing the patient using all the senses? If we can access as many senses as possible and really create a completely immersive virtual environment, we would predict that the pain relief that those patients have would be maximal. Mm -hmm. And what else is on the horizon for virtual reality? There's a couple things. One is we talked about having uh, multiple virtual uh, environments available so that depending on the individual user, that user can choose an environment, whether it's a visual environment or there's sound associated with it or the combination of the two that create the most pleasurable sensation for them. I think the second thing is to uh, expand its use beyond acute pain looking again at some of these chronic pain conditions and is there a way that we can modify the technique for use in patients with chronic pain. I think a third thing is to expand the types of patients that we're using it in. We talked a little bit about adolescents and young adults, but there's an expanding population of 
elderly adults who have multiple medical procedures done, those are also some of the hardest patients to use drugs in because the side effects from drugs are often more frequent in the elderly than in younger patients. So if we can expand the use up to the elderly and also in some of the younger kids, that would be a third thing. And I think the last thing is to make the technology more applicable and accessible outside of the hospital. We've talked a little bit about how it's primarily used uh, in an inpatient setting right now, but as technology evolves and the use of uh, personal devices and uh, low-cost head-mounted displays make it feasible to use uh, in an outpatient setting or um, in low- and middle-income countries where tertiary medical care is not available, that would be a real advantage. It would be a real advantage for sure, diversifying its application to a multitude of patients as well as a multitude of pain conditions would be really valuable. Dr. Shar, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thanks very much, Paul. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.